Drax is the largest provider of renewable electricity in the UK and plays a critical role in ensuring a secure energy system. The company has plans to invest billions in new infrastructure, such as bioenergy with carbon capture and storage, which will create thousands of jobs, whilst also delivering the energy needed by homes and businesses up and down the UK. Discover more at Drax.com. Hello and welcome to this special Saturday edition of Coffee House Shots. I'm James Seal and I'm joined today by the spectators Katie Balls and Sir Craig Oliver, the former Downing Street Director of Communications who now works at FGS Global. Now Craig, we're talking about party conferences. This weekend, Conservative Conference starts in Manchester. Tell us, how did your, I think, five conferences as number 10's Director of Comms go? Well, what happens is for a couple of months before the conference, there's a huge amount of meetings and planning goes on and a grid of announcements and making sure that you fill the vacuum as much as possible, that you've got as much information, as many stories, as many announcements as possible. Because you feel like you're in this constant battle with a lot of people who are maybe trying to derail it. They're either dissatisfied MPs, Boris Johnson turning up and overturning the apple cart, or journalists just saying, look, I'm not really interested in just running what you want to run. I'm going to run difficult stories and difficult things for you. So it's basically felt like trying to have enough stories, enough announcements, enough to keep people interested while trying to fend off people trying to derail it. And Katie, I mean, you've been going to conferences for about sort of, uh, well, coming up to 10 years now. Which ones um, stick out in your imagination? So I think to Craig's point, I think at least when Craig was director of communications, probably what I am trying to achieve at conference and what Craig was trying <laughs> to achieve um, do not always overlap. <laughs> and therefore you have the journalists saying, well, we know what they want to talk about, but actually we think the, the real story is the rift on this. We think the real thing is actually this debate coming up the tracks on this policy that they want to say they all agree on, but they don't. So I think you quite quickly, obviously, uh, you know, uh, you have what's happening in the conference hall. And I think often that feels as though it is probably not where the action is in terms of where the debate in the Tory party or Labour party is. A bit more so in the Labour party. And certainly having just been in Bournemouth for a Liberal Democrat conference, you know, each party is different, but the Liberal Democrat conference is a very democratic party where they have votes on policy and decisions and it actually means something. That doesn't happen at Tory. So particularly at Tory, it can feel as though almost the main conference hall is quite stage managed. And the leader's speech is always a very big moment. But I think some of the you know cabinet minister speeches up until that point are not where you're paying the most attention. And instead you're going around the fringes and seeing, you know, when someone says something, you know, which perhaps goes against the grain, isn't exactly your message when they're probed. And that's where you are. I mean, I'm interested to hear, you know, I suppose... Craig's um, recollections of the conferences where it did go right and perhaps it didn't quite go right but for me the one that on Tory the one that you will always think about is just 2017 and that was Theresa May after the snap election Um, she'd stayed in post she uh, you know Clearly, it had been a very difficult period. They managed to do this deal with the DUP to keep her in office after, you know, leading to hung parliament. And this was meant to be her big reset. And you, I think it was one of the things where you actually couldn't help but feeling bad for her by the end of it because I think she'd made such a 
her team wanted to do such a thing to say she's here, she's strong, that she'd done all these receptions um, on all the nights before. And I think you just had what we always tend to get, which is that conference flu, where you get quite run down. And by the time it got to her speech, you know, her voice just went. And um, so it's that famous speech where it was just coughing, there's a protester. You also had in the background, um, you know, all the, the letters falling off the stage. And it was almost like anything that could go wrong did seem to go wrong. She got through it, someone had to give her a glass of water. All the things they were trying not to suggest, you know, they wanted the conference suggestion that she is a strong, powerful leader despite everything that's happened. And initially, I think the conference had gone okay for her, but just ending on that and that final moment, I think we were just walking around the conference hall after, you know, we would just walk a bit aimlessly, not really knowing what to do. And then you'd see a minister and you felt a bit as though, you know, when you only had bad news to talk about and it was just, and then, but then to be fair, I think Grant Shapps tried to launch his failed coup against Theresa May quite soon after. And the reaction of the party to that was very much, you know, it's been tricky, but we're not having any time for that. So it didn't spell cu- curtains for Theresa May. I think obviously that happened further down the line, but it, it meant it was, you know, what was meant to be, I think, a moment of reju- rejuvenation, which you can see in terms of what Rishi Sunak hopes to do at this conference, ended up really leaving the opposite impression. And then I think to Labour conferences, I mean, last year's Labour conference, I think lots of people say, why do you have party conferences? Uh, you know, Fraser, the editor, will you know always say, we spend all this time at them and he'll tell all our colleagues that they don't get much traffic and no one really wants to read about conference. But they are important to parties because at that point you see the grassroots. And I do think they set the mood music, which might be one of those strange concepts, but they do do something like that. And therefore... If you think back, I think back to the Jeremy Corbyn as leader Labour conferences, which were so fractious, but also just seeing how it's changed in the sense of, if you think back probably to just a couple of years ago when Jeremy Corbyn was Labour leader, I remember going to these conferences and, you know, everywhere you'll see Palestine flags, the fringe events, the the stalls on show. And now you go last year, and I think this year will be even more so the case, you know, really big business forum, loads of corporates there and so forth. And it's left, and just, so just from, my own recollection being at both of those you immediately get a sense of how the party has moved and of course uh, God Save the King was played last year wasn't it yes well well, God Save the Queen actually of course and Craig which looking back which of those uh, conferences stand out from your memory well I've got a couple but I was just going to say that in just in response to what Katie was saying is I hope you can see why people try to stage manage things because when things go wrong they really go badly wrong and they really blow up. And there's a huge problem if you literally have a prime minister who can't speak properly and the letters are falling down behind them. So it's inevitable that people in the background are going to try and make this as smooth as possible. The two conferences I'd mentioned, or one that I was at last year just turning up as a sort of punter, was the Conservative conference last year. And somebody described it to me as a bit like being in a plane at 40,000 feet and all the engines have cut out. Um, you're still flying, but you know something really bad is going to happen. And I think that that's what that conference felt like. It felt like that there was all this kind of stage-managed stuff and ministers wandering around, giving speeches, meeting people and stuff, pretending like nothing serious was happening. But you could really tell the plane was about to crash. The other one for me was when I was um, Director of Politics and Communications at Number 10. So we really wanted the 2014 conference to take off and be the sort of launch pad for the 2015 election campaign. I was on my way to the conference and I got notification that an MP had defected to UKIP. He'd done it very deliberately to try and move and cause problems at the conference. 
And after I'd been dealing with that and was just arriving at the train station, I then got a phone call from the Sunday Mirror saying one of your ministers has been sending pictures of his genitalia to um, a woman who doesn't exist. And so that was hugely problematic. And on the Sunday, we planned to have a huge number of announcements, a huge number of positive stuff out there. But there was a brick of newspapers outside my hotel room door. And on the Sunday Telegraph, there was in huge point, Tories in crisis. So we put in this huge amount of planning and it all sort of fell apart. But interestingly, by the end of that week, those stories burned themselves out. And actually, weirdly, it was seen as a positive conference in the end. I mean, often the case, Katie, is just that, you know, you have a party of, say, 300 or so MPs, got a cabinet, which obviously they've got their own aspirations, ambitions. You know, it's difficult to keep everyone in line, isn't it? And I suppose the kind of theme emerging from these discussions in terms of, you know, the Conservatives and, and the conferences in government is that it's really difficult to keep everyone in line. And then from the opposition as well, it's also, I suppose, a way of kind of showcasing what they're about. And often that can just be, you know, civil war. Yeah, I mean, I think a healthy conference is one where party unity is on show. It's also worth pointing out lots of MPs don't go to conference. Mm. And I think particularly last year for example it was quite a low MP attendance the Tory one under Liz Truss and therefore it's you know it's not always the sense of the the broader parliamentary party view um I think you actually have more MPs going to Tory conference this year but <laughs> it gives you a sense of where the Tory grassroots are where the Labour membership is and you know just being I know you're born with two James but just speaking to some of the Lib Dems there the fact for example that they uh, you had Ed Davey wanting to put forward a motion on housing which was then kiboshed by the Lib Dem members and therefore he can't have his policy as he wants it now that tends not to happen. So with Labour, you have much more fixing behind the scenes, try and keep the motions they want, but also late night wrangling with the unions. But I think just getting a sense of you know, how far the leader is either in tune with opinion or drifted from it. So if you think back to you know one of the Theresa May conferences, which I think was also the 2017 one, not the best time for her. But I remember Boris Johnson did his own rally, which was his, you know, Get, I don't think it was get Brexit done at the time, but ultimately it was Chuck Checkers. So he had a Chuck Checkers rally and you had all around the conference centre a very, very long queue of people desperate to get in. And therefore, everyone already knew Boris Johnson was popular with the Tory membership, but it was just a very visual reminder of that and, a, and a probably a confirmation that that was still the case, which then gave him momentum when it time came for Theresa May to move aside, you know, the sense that if you could get to the membership, he'd be there. And you, I think you can also you have moments where it feels as though the grassroots are very far away from the leader. I think what will be interesting in Manchester is this is Rishi Sunak's first conference as Tory leader. He did not get selected by the membership. Actually, he got rejected by the membership in favour of Liz trust in the summer and then that step was skipped so while the Westminster I think public narrative is very anti-Liz Truss is it the case that it could be some more sympathetic voices within the conference centre from those who feel as though well at least that's someone I voted for and perhaps when we ran Liz Truss specifically but I think it will be probably one of those tastes where you can see the polling for example that Conservative Home does but there's not that much more when it comes to what are the Tory grassroots thinking some don't go to conference. You know, it's a lot of young people in suits at Tory conference, which I think is hugely um, representative. You look at recent polling saying 1% of under 25s will actually vote Tory. Um, but we will, I think, get a, a real sense of whether the membership have come around to Rishi Sunak or not. Craig, I mean, you obviously were working in number 10 
for a number of years. What was the kind of leadership view of the grassroots? Uh, what was their kind of role? Obviously, they don't have a sort of formal policy role in the way they used to decades ago, all the same way that Labour or Lib Dems have. How did you sort of treat that and ha- treat that approach when you were doing the conferences? Um, look, it, it wasn't my side of it. So I was very much focused on the sort of how is this being communicated, particularly in the media. But there is a huge part of conference which I think is largely unseen, which is um, the leader going to all of the, you know, association parties and meetings and that kind of thing. And that is taken incredibly seriously, wanting to show that you're engaged, you're listening, you're talking, you're rallying the troops, that kind of thing. So it was taken very, very seriously and an important part. And one of the reasons why conferences exist is a mechanism for the leadership to get to as many people as possible uh, and talk to them in that kind of way. I do think what's interesting about this conference is that I suspect what number 10 is going to try and do is make a whole load of announcements that really grab the agenda and say Rishi Sunak is a brave politician that's got the future uh, in hand. But the problem is that they've left quite a few hostages to fortune. We don't know what's going to happen to HS2, for example. So he knows that literally every single interview he does, there's going to be at least two or three questions on HS2. So it's what he's trying to say and what he dragged towards is the big issue. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Katie. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.